Hello and welcome to another episode of Grange TV. We have with us a very, very special guest. Um, he's the middleweight and light heavyweight champion at One Championship. He's the 2018 International Fighter of the Year, uh, Mr. Ongla Nsang. Did I say your name right? Yep, you said it perfect. Thank you. Mate, I've been practicing and practicing and practicing it. Um, it's it's hard for me. Um, how are you anyways? I'm very well, you know, just uh, back home. Um, just training for the next bout. So everything is good. Body's healthy, family's good. When you say you're training for the next bout, will that be at middleweight or at light heavyweight? It will be at middleweight. It will be a title defense at middleweight. How are you finding training? Because I know in the, you're in the U.S. When you say back home, you're in the U.S.? Yeah, I'm in uh, Florida right now, south, uh, south, southeast Florida. So, What's the situation yeah. like with COVID and everything um, in Florida at the moment? It's, uh, I mean, uh, business are, uh, a lot of the businesses are opened up now. Um, we are allowed to, you know, train and, 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 uh, um, go outside. So, so it's, 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 uh, almost back to normal, semi-normal. Okay. How, um, how did that affect the training leading up until this point? Yeah, we had to be creative. You know, uh, we had quarantine period where we had to stay home. Um, when, when we had to stay home, we had to be creative. Uh, we have good, you know, great strength and conditioning coach who gave us workouts that we can do. That's body weight and uh, by ourselves. Um, and then fortunately for me, I was quarantined with a couple of, you know, uh, teammates, uh, a couple of guys that lived with me, you know, and I was able to train with them. So, um, I've been able to stay in shape during the quarantine. Oh, that's, man, that's awesome. How, how, uh, the, the temperature, the climate in Florida, is that similar to Myanmar from like? Yes, very, very similar. It's, uh, it's, it's hot, you know. Uh, in the summers, you can get as high as, uh, over a hundred degrees, you know. So it's, it's very hot and humid in, in Florida. It's very similar to Myanmar. So, you know, last few camps when I trained in the heat, I felt very comfortable when I, when I went back home and uh, competed. Who you got? Who's the guy you're fighting? Uh, we can't tell yet. Oh, you can't tell us yet because I was yeah. trying to look it up and I couldn't. I couldn't see it. Yeah, uh, and, and the date's not confirmed yet. So, but but it, it will come out soon. It will come out in a, in a couple of weeks. Okay, awesome. What's uh what's a wildlife like there at um in Florida? A lot of gators. <laughs> Me where a you are? Yep, and there's a. Uh, there's a there's a problem with Burmese pythons here. Yeah, for real. For real, yeah. I'm not joking. You know, uh, um, some some uh, some some people like they uh, they release Burmese pythons. You know, some snake keepers here they release uh, Burmese pythons, and then uh, there's a there's a lot of food for them. You know, there's a lot of prey. There's a lot of you know wild hogs or swan. You know. Uh, um, they're wild animals here, so they're no natural predators either. So now there's like, um, it, it's, it's been a problem. It's been like a pest. Um, they, they actually give bounty on, uh, if you hunt, uh, Burmese pythons, if you even capture them. Is, is a Burmese python like a reticulated python? Like, are they the massive, massive ones? Yeah, they're massive ones. Yeah, they are. Like, they can be um, like seven, eight meters long, eh? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and and like they can they can swallow like a whole you know a whole pig you know so they're massive. So like are they a danger for the kids? Like will they? 
could they go near? Uh, no, not so much, but just like wildlife here. You know, other wildlife, because they don't have natural predators here. You know, and and so like they, they just overpopulated the uh, the Everglades and uh, it's become a problem, you know, so. Can you eat them? Can you eat them? Yeah, I'm just- I, I guess. I mean, you can eat everything that has meat in it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Is, is it a source of, of food? Could could you eat it? No, no. People don't usually eat bunnies by bugs. You got a a degree in um, agriculture, have you not? Yeah, in agriculture. Yeah. Can can we? I was going to go into farming. I was going to go into farming. You know, farming was like my first love. Um, something that I really enjoyed, and then but uh, but I found mixed martial arts so. Let's let's rewind. So, how did that start? How did the 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 love for agriculture and farming start? Let's rewind all the way back to you being a little boy in the uh, Kachin state. So, yeah. let's let's kick off there. Let's. Uh, how did that so, start? So, so, I think it started when I, you know, when I uh, one of my dad's house uh, that my my uncles lived in, they they farmed. They had rice field and rice paddies. And one, one summer we helped them, you know, we helped them plant the rice and stuff like that. So I enjoyed, you know, the, the farm life. And, uh, and, and Myanmar is a big agriculture uh, country. So my dream was to, you know, revolutionize agriculture in Myanmar, bring back, you know, new agricultural techniques and stuff like that. Um, and that's why I went to school, you know, in, in the States. But uh, I, 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 I wasn't thinking, you know, I wasn't thinking, I mean, I wasn't really thinking uh, correctly because I ended up in Michigan. You know, Michigan climate is very different from... Yeah, it's uh, cold. You know? Yeah, it's cold, yeah. And, and I went into uh, more into uh, dairy farming, you know, dairy farming. And then realistically talking to have dairy farm in Myanmar, you know, it would be very difficult because... I mean, it can be done, but, you know, um, because of the heat there, you're going to have to get creative. And then also, like, me as a, as a four-year uh, bachelor graduate, you, you're, not really, you're not really an expert. You're not really an expert at, you know, farming. So um, I was, like, during that time, I was at a crossroad. And then that's when, uh, you know, I decided, you know, maybe agriculture is not for me. You know, I should go into MMA and pursue it. But before you went into MMA, you were a beekeeper, am I correct? Yes, I, uh, I graduated with agriculture degree. Um, and the first you know, job I landed was as a, as a beekeeper. You know? And when I worked as a beekeeper, I loved it. You know, I loved it. Um, I love you know, the, 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 the process of making the honey. I love the process of you know, pollinating. And it was very enjoyable. I got to work outside and I got paid working outside. So I, I really enjoyed it. But, uh, um, but, but, uh, my, my passion for mixed martial shorts was like the, the final straw that made me leave agriculture behind. Was that passion for MMA and martial arts and all of that? Was that something that was always present for you? Oh yeah. You know, as a kid, uh, I did karate at, at, like in elementary school. Um, Lethway? Did I you do Lethway? <laughs> Uh, Lewy, no, because there isn't any like Lewy training gym in, in Myanmar, you know. Um, Lewy is seen as uh, a, a sport for uneducated people, you know, poor people. So, 
it's not it's not like you know doing kickboxing or muay thai in australia um it, it's it's something that only you know poor people would do uh and that's the, that's the kind of things that i want to change you know in Myanmar as well um but I did, you know, when I was a kid, you know, uh, in, on Christmas and stuff like that, I would buy boxing gloves and I would box with my brother. And, you know, it's, it's something that I was always passionate about, you know, combat sports. So can you fast forward then to you winning at and having your success in MMA? Because you had like lots and lots of fights before you got to 1FC. When you got to 1FC, did you win your world title in Myanmar? Yeah. So in 2017, summer of 2017 was when I won the, the, my first world title at middleweight against uh, Vitaly Big Dash. Uh, he was at that time undefeated, you know, Russian champion. Um, He'd beat you before, and this was a rematch. Am I? Yeah, yeah. So, so the first the first bout, oh, I took it on short notice, but but when I when I took that, you know, uh, when I took that fight, I I told one championship, you know, if if I were to lose, I want a rematch because I took it at a short notice fight. How short? Um, about about uh, ten days. About ten days. Was it hard? Because so you know, with the weights uh, over there, you the middleweight is a light heavyweight, but the light hit, but it's without you cutting weight. But you still have to get down to the light heavyweight weight. Yeah, so, so I, I had to be under two hundred five hydrated like so they make us pee in a cup you know and and make sure um it's it's the concentration level is like point i believe point two point oh two two five or something like that um so so you you have to be hydrated you can't you, you can't cut weight you can't cut water weight you know so you have to be soaking wet and you had to be under 205 you know so that's that's middle weight and that's how much most uh like most fighters that fight middleweight, they walk around 210, 215, you know, and they cut massive amount of weight. So one championship just got rid of that, and they say all the middleweights has to be under 205. But um, with that short, with that short, um, like with, with that short notice fight, was it hard for you to make that weight hydrated? Yeah, no, it was. It, it, it wasn't easy, you know, it, especially because it was uh, – uh, I got the news, you know, uh, uh, either, I can't remember what it was. It was either, uh, I was having uh Christmas dinner or thank uh, New Year's dinner. I can't remember what it was. So I was eating good at that time, you know? Yeah, you can <laughs> so imagine. It, yeah, it, it was hard for me to make, but, but, but you can't pass a world title fight. You know, you can't pass up on a world title fight, especially because I've already been fighting for 12 years, you know, 12 years of doing something is a long time. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, um, but, but I knew, I knew if I connect, I could win, but the chances of me winning a five round war when I haven't been training, uh, like in, in been training in camp was very low. So, um, and I was already, I, I was on a, on a good winning streak. So I, I wrote on the contract that, you know, uh, if I were to lose, I, I would get an immediate rematch. Awesome. And you did well with that rematch. I, I want to go yeah. back before we talk about the, the rematch and the win in, in Myanmar. Can you talk to us a little bit about um, the weight cutting in in 1FC versus- You can't cut weight. No, no, but- You can't No, I, yeah. I understand you can't cut weight, but you, you still have to be 92 kilos hydrated. Yeah. So the yeah. What, whatever the weight 
making processes in one FC versus the weight cutting process that, you know, in other, just about every other organization and how that, you know, how, cause like you just said, the middleweights that you're fighting, they're still the same yeah. middleweights, but they'd all be, yeah. walk, you know, they, so can you compare what those experiences are like? Um, for one championship, it's more enjoyable, you know, but the, the only thing that is hard is sometimes, you know, even if you're hydrated, your pee might be yellow, you know, and then you come into a problem where you have to drink water again and then wait another hour to pee, you know, because sometimes you don't know, you don't even know it. You think, you know, you think you're hydrated, but if you don't drink enough water, like when yeah. you pee, like it, it's like, you know, it's not... It's not a, you're off by like a few percentage, you know? Um, so, so in, uh, in the States, you just weigh in once and then you're done, you know, for one championship, you have to weigh in, uh, two days before, uh, one day before. And then if you don't, if you, for some reason, miss one of them, you have to day, weigh the, the, the day of, you know, you have to weigh again the day of, of the fight. So potentially you can end up weighing uh, three times. And you have to be a certain weight at all of them? Like you have to stay yeah. the same weight or is, is that what they're yeah, after? You have, to stay the same weight. you have to stay the same weight. And then they also check your weight after the bail, uh, after the, uh, the match. So potentially four or five times. Yeah. Yeah. What so do you they, think they of don't that? Want any, I like it. You know, I like it. Uh, it's safer for the, for the, for the uh, competitors, you know, um, because uh, they, they came up with that system because, um, a guy from China uh, lost his life, you know, uh, during the weight cut. So they said, you know, we're gonna get rid of this. We're gonna bump everybody up. Um, I think it's safer, uh, and then uh, it it uh, takes away from people that gain a lot of weight. You know, I used to fight at 170 pounds. I used to fight at welterweight, and right. then the night of the fight, the night of the fight, I would be 196 pounds. You know, I would gain 26 pounds in a day. That's huge. Yeah. So they just took away that part. You know, they just took away. Uh, and there's, there could be, you could fight a guy that didn't cut weight, eh? Like you could fight, yeah. if, if you're fighting a guy at 170 pounds and he didn't really yeah. cut weight or doesn't know how to, yeah. and you walk in at almost 200 pounds, that's yeah. like you yeah. fighting your dad at Kmart when you're a little kid. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he, he just grab him by the arm and shake him to death. But then, but then for me, it, it, it was counterproductive because – because I couldn't take any headshots because oh, okay. you know, I, I, because because uh, like I would get dropped with shots that in training would never hurt me, you know. So okay, and so you pro, you pro, you feel more comfortable under that those circumstances yeah. those conditions, yeah. and I think that that's very interesting because I've seen like I've been involved with with a lot of fighters as well, and I've seen yeah. like even as safe as you want to do it, like yeah, there's still a dehydration process, and that can't be good for you going in and taking yeah. shots when your yeah. brain's like that big yeah. and it just sits in water and you've dehydrated yourself and put it back in. And I see some of the guys where they go back in like, uh, man, they go back in huge, you know, sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, when I Remember Anthony Johnson? Yeah. Yeah. Anthony Johnson competed at 170, you know, it's like crazy. He Right now he walks around like 230. Yeah, it's insane. Well, when yeah. Rob Rob Whitaker fought uh, Romero in their second fight, um, yeah. Romero was—I thought he was going to die when he was cutting weight. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he was—he was looked bad. And then um, the next day, when I saw him, like 
I, honestly, I was more worried that he was actually going to die, you know, than than make it to the to the fight. And then when he made it to the fight, he looked like somebody just inflated him with air. Like he looked massive. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I'm sure. You know, IVs and stuff like that. So yeah, it's insane, insane. So yeah. so you you won the the belt at um, in Myanmar. Yeah, and you you'd already gone viral though with a knockout. I can't remember who you knocked out, but you knocked out somebody. I think in two thousand and eleven, two thousand and twelve, and that went viral in in um, Myanmar. Is are, uh, are you are you aware of that? Like that one of your videos yeah, yeah, where you knocked someone out went yeah, viral. Jason, That's yeah. it. That's yeah. the guy. Yeah, Jason. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you. That was a, yeah. That was the, yeah. You were already known in Myanmar then at that yeah. stage. Yeah, around that stage, yeah. But when you won the belt, did you yeah. just propel to completely different levels? For sure, for sure. Like like uh like you can see it in in, in, in the social media following as well, you know. I think um before before I uh before I got the belt, I was like I had like, I don't know, I can't remember the exact number, but don't quote me on it, but it was like 46,000, you know, followers on Facebook, which is still a lot, you know, and then it went up to like 200,000 and, you know, just move on up. And now it's like 2 million followers, you know, on, on Facebook. So. That's um, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, and we made the, like the, the, the newspaper, you know, the headline on the newspaper. So it was like after winning the belt, it was a big difference. But just to put in perspective, just correct me if I'm wrong. You're you are the first world champion that Myanmar has ever had, eh? In anything, yeah, yeah, so, in any sport, yeah. So that's that's massive. And uh, yeah. Myanmar has a population of fifty-five million. Am I correct? So, yeah, about fifty-five million. Yeah. yeah. And Michael Chavello was saying because we had Michael Chavello on on the podcast not long ago. He was saying that. A third of the country tuned in to watch that. Yeah, I would say about that much. So whenever I compete, about that much uh, tuning in uh, and and support. You know, so. so, so you're talking about like my maths is bad, bad, but that's like 18 million people, 17 million people that 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 are watching <laughs> it. Is is that yeah. is that is that correct? Something like that. Um, so, so what kind? Of, what does that make you in in Myanmar? So, when you walk down the street, can you walk down the street, and how do you deal with it? Uh, it's it's hard, you know. Like, I get stopped a lot, you know. Like, uh, even in restaurants and stuff. So we have to like get our own private room. Um, if I like, like, I grew up near a marketplace, and and for one of the shoots, for some reason, we went, you know. We went to the market and I, and I got mobbed there and and a lot of vendors they would give me like free boxes of apples and it was like you know so so much love you know so much love from 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 the from the Myanmar uh, people. You seem to me like to be a kind of like introverted, quiet type of person. If yeah, I'm not. I'm not like I'm not too like extroverted. I'm pretty introverted, you know. Um, if I had to speak, I'd speak, but you know, I'm pretty sociable. I'm pretty friendly kind of person, uh, but I don't like a lot of attention. You know, I don't like a lot of attention and stuff like that. So one, one of the, one of the things that I, that I, we, when we were speaking off camera uh, a, a little while ago, um, one of the things that really impressed me is then the, the avenue with which you, you chose to follow your fame. Cause like you, 
you've you're doing a lot of uh, different kind of projects and a lot of different things in Myanmar, and you're using that platform for for stuff that's you know that's better than just I don't know taking pictures of your car or yeah, the new hairdo sure. that you did or whatever. Um, can you speak about some of the stuff that you you're dealing you're working with? Because j- just for people that don't know, like. Even the, the the Kachin state, it's it is a high conflict area and has been for a long time. So we're dealing with very very serious issues. Well, well um, I, I know a lot of like uh, like the younger generation, a lot of the young, um, the future generation really looks up to me. And for me, you know, uh, to to view me as like a big brother, a role model, or whatever it is, it's important for me to you know. Uh, uh, be positive and be encouraging to these young people. Uh, like, 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 like we, we, we talked earlier, you know, uh, I'm the first world champion in any sports. So if, you know, that tells you something about, you know, our, our country, it's, uh, it, it has a lot of potential. I started, you know, I started mixed martial arts when I was a lot older. Um, I started competing in 2005 when I was like 19 years old, you know, you imagine if I can get a kid that's like five-year-old and start training them, six, seven years old and start training them. You know, there's so much potential. There's so much potential in, in, in our country. Um, so for me, being a positive role model and, and giving back, you know, to the country is very important. To the people is very important. From the people that, you know, that um, I, I, the country that I grew up in, you know, what, that I was born in is very important. And I think my calling is to to help uh, future generation uh, become uh, world champions and and good role models. What was the fight like? The actual fight. What was it like being in there with him? I've seen the fight, but what was it like for you being in Which there one? in front of uh, the fight when you won the the title? When you won it in Myanmar in front of all the because. The crowd, man, people, if you haven't seen it, yeah. you have to watch it. Like, if anyone hasn't seen this guy yeah. fight no, in crazy. Myanmar, it's insane. Yeah, it's insane. Like, uh, from the bottom of the floor to the top, you know, everybody was, like, just cheering and yelling for my name, you know. And, like, like the, the fight itself, when I went in there, uh, there's only one goal in my mind, you know, to get the win at all costs, to, to try to finish this guy, you know, to, to win. Um and and I was willing to put everything into it, my whole life into it. You know, when I when I went in there, when I looked at looked at Vitaly, like I was ready to put my life down. So, did you feel a, a lot of pressure coming from the people when you fought Vitaly? No, pressure is what you what you put in your head. You know, I I felt in the moment, I felt in the zone. Um, Pressure, of course, there's a lot of pressure. You think about it. Of course, so I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the whole arena wants you to win, you know, from the security guards to the to, to every single fan that's sitting there wants you to win. The whole country watching you wants you to win, you know. So is there pressure? Of course, there's a lot of pressure. You're the only one that could make the whole country happy, you know. So there's a lot of pressure if you think about it that way. But as a competitor, my 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 thinking is go out there, get the win, uh, see everything, be in the moment. You know. How did you get into that mindset? Like, how did you manage to block that pressure, put uh, those thoughts aside, I, 
and and then just concentrate on that because what you said sounds yeah. super simple, but it isn't. No, I've been doing uh, since 2013, and I've been doing this like a mental preparation, you know, uh, before fights, and it, it's helped me to be relaxed and to be in the moment. What kind of techniques are you doing? Like, what are you? It's a breathing technique and uh, focusing my mind to be present. No, I can't give away all my secrets. <laughs> yeah, because I can't. I can't. Like, yeah, I no, can't. no. Like, like if you think about the magnitude of the fight, you get lost in it. You get lost in it, and you get worried. So you have to, you know, center yourself and think about simple things. Think about what's in front of you, man. Like, please watch if any anyone that's watching this. Please watch if you haven't seen Ang Lang's yeah. fights, especially yeah. that one because people like w when I was watching it, there were like mums and their little daughters, and they were crying when you won. Like, yeah, it's 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 insane. Like, it's not like anything yeah. I've seen before. Look, I've seen um. You know Conor McGregor in Ireland. I've seen, um, yeah. uh, even uh, you know when with Rob he won fights here in Australia. It was big and the whole crowd erupted and everyone was behind him yeah. and all of that. Uh, especially when he fought Brunson, I've never heard like a crowd like that. But it wasn't like me and Myron you. You said Brunson. Yeah, he fought when Rob fought Brunson. Uh, Brunson's my boy, man. <laughs> nah, man, I'm not saying I like him. There's nothing bad. But when he fought him, the whole crowd was like, it was in Melbourne. You know what I mean? Brunson said he wants his rematch. Oh, that's between him and Rob. <laughs> he's he's a no, good he's a he's a good fighter, man. He's a really good fighter. And the the way what I was going to say as well, the way that he fought, the way that Brunson fought, yeah. created also that the arena yeah. to erupt. You know what I mean? Yeah, and Brunson's a wow. Man, he he was it was it was on, you know what I mean, and that created that that atmosphere. But even that one hasn't, even that didn't. It's not the same as what I saw when you fought yeah. in Myanmar. Because, because the arena is a little bit smaller. I mean, the arena is smaller, and it was packed to to capacity. So so th there's a there's a big difference between that. You know, it's uh when you have a big arena with a lot of big seating, then it's something else. But we have our arena is small, you know, and it's outdated and it's small and it's compact, but it's filled to the brim, you know, with 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 uh, with all the fans with that glow stick, you know, hitting. So it looks like a scene from Mad Max. Yeah, it's, it's, it was uh, insane. It, on on Brunson, it's insane. On on Brunson, since think he when he just he just fought Edmund now, and he looked really good. What you say? Brunson just fought Edmund. Edmund yeah. Chabazian just now, and he looked really good in that yep. fight. Um, yep. How much training are you doing with him? A lot, a lot. You know, he's one of my training partners. Did he relocate so, to Florida? Uh, for training camps, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I guess that brings next point. Well, I was going to ask you this later, but since we're talking about this, you train with a lot of UFC guys and yeah. a lot of high-level UFC guys. Um how do you feel you would fit in a, with the top UFC middleweights? I think I think I'll do. You know, I, I, I think I'll have I have my edge, and I, I'm sure like they'll have the edge. Uh, I think I'll do okay. You know, um, only time will tell. You know, is that something that you you're thinking about? Like, would there be a cross promotion? Would you go over to uh, UFC? How did you end up signing no. with One FC to begin with? 
Well, I signed one in uh, one in uh, 2013. You know, when they were going to do uh, when they were going to start putting on shows in Myanmar, and because of uh, uh, because I had you know uh, passport problem, visa problems, uh, I couldn't compete until 2016. Um, but but I was signed at the end of 2013 with one. Um, at that time, you know, I was uh, I just finished my contract with CFSC, and uh, I fought for Bellator as well. You know, I had a one fight for Bellator, um, and, and so I was like, uh, I was uh, I was happy when one signed me, and uh, because I wanted to go back and compete in Asia as well. So. All right. Um- Myanmar's wildlife, you're, you're involved with that and you're involved with a, a street school initiative. Can you speak on both those projects? Because you, 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 do you work with the elephant conservationists and what, whatnot? Yeah, so right now I, I, uh, I work with, you know, My Me Project, which is a mobile education program. They educate kids that don't get education, uh, kids that are um, kids that are working in tea shops, you know, to, to help support their family. And they give uh, those kids education, you know. Education, I believe, it's the way out of poverty. Um, education is, you know, uh, depending on the person, you know, education can really help people, you know, get out of, you know, poverty. So that's one thing that I'm very passionate about. And I want to make sure every kid, you know, get education in Myanmar. Um, the other thing is, you know, elephants. Uh, I work with WWF, and um, poaching is pretty big in Myanmar. Poaching elephants for for medicinal purpose because there's men in Ch- you know China and and other other countries as well. So um, an elephant is one of my favorite animals. It's not just elephants, but wildlife. You know, wildlife preservation I feel, believe is very important for nature and for the country as well. Um, those are the two big projects that I'm, I'm I'm working with right now. And Myanmar is a pretty wild place. Hey, you still have elephants? Do you still have tigers there? Yeah, we still have elephants. We still have some tigers. Uh, we have elephants like not too far from the capital, like wild elephants, like 50 miles from the capital. So it's still you know it's still something that's a, a in our country. So I think it's important to preserve it. Man, I have to ask in Florida, dude. There are a lot of exotic animals, eh? Like, you, you, can you just buy yeah. them, and then people just release yeah. them? If, if yeah, the, the, you mean you're talking about the Burmese pythons? Burmese pythons, because uh, I, I live I live in Australia, and we're an island, right? Yeah. So you can't we can't bring in animals here. And yeah, yeah. but uh, when I ever watch the US, like I watch US yeah. shows, people have like tigers, and they have pythons, or they have whatever. Yeah. Ha- but but uh, I think there's rules against it now. No. Oh, so it's more it's more strict now. Yeah, yeah, it's stricter now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can't just you can't have your own zoo, you know. I was watching. What's that guy? The the tiger. King. Yeah, the Tiger King. I was watching that with the guy at, at the Tigers. You know how you work in con- this is something that I find really interesting. You you work you work and are passionate about con- uh, conservation, but you're also a hunter as well. And some people see that as a contradiction. I myself do not see it as a contradiction. But I'd like you to speak on your hunting and the conservation work and how they go hand in hand, as opposed to being 
polar opposites? Well, if you have surplus of something, you know, if you have surplus of, uh, let's say, uh, Burmese pythons, it's important that you hunt them down, you know. It's, uh, it's, it's being a good, uh, like, like a, it's being a good keeper of the earth, you know, of the world. If you have too much of something, you know, you have to make sure you, you trim down on it. Um, when I hunt, I hunt for, uh, I don't ever hunt for endangered or, or even remotely, you know, close to endangered animal. What I hunt is for food, you know. Uh, what, what I hunt is like, uh, we have excess amount of deer, you know, and when we are, we are allowed to hunt that. You know, I hunt deer and I hunt it for meat. I don't hunt it to, for the sake of shooting it. You know, I hunt it to bring it home, you know, have it as a meal, you know, make it into a meal and share it with my family and, 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 and feed and, and get energy from it. You know, uh, I'm taking the energy from the deer and, and, and using the energy in a positive way. How big do you think so, the disconnect is with people um, with the food that's on their plate? and where the food actually comes from. For sure, there's a, dis- a big disconnect, you know, and that causes a lot of, uh, that causes a lot of animal activists to be on the extreme side because they haven't ever seen, they, 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 they've been a bit disconnect. You look at a piece of steak and you just think about picking up from Walmart or, or from the grocery store, you know, a big slice of steak, but that steak was a cow, you know, it, 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 it used to be a cow. But there's such a big disconnect in the modern world because all we do is we walk to the grocery store, we p- pick up a piece a piece of steak, and we think that's steak. No, that steak came from a cow, a living, breathing cow, you know? And, and there's a big, big disconnect, and that's why people are wasteful, and that's why people, you know, uh, are, are very, you know, um, when, when they see what happens, you know, to, to industrial farming, which I think is not right either. You know, industrial farming to the extreme level is not right. If you're only doing it for profit, it's not right, you know. Um, but needless to say, you know, there's a big, big disconnect between the product and, and the process, you know. Like uh, uh, a, a kid nowadays don't even know where chicken nuggets come from. They just think no one knows where they come from. Hey, the McDonald's no. one, they might not even be chicken. I don't know. But yeah, exactly. people don't know that, that well, I, I, I live right near the, the ocean and I always go spearfishing, catch fish or lobsters or abalone or whatever. And sometimes you have people that they look at you like a bit funny, you know, when you're getting the fish out of the water and you think like, where, where do you think your fish comes from? You know what yeah. I mean? Fish don't. This big disconnect, you know, um, being vegetarian is good and all, but you know, some people want to live on a, like a, a herbivores diet, you know, you want to have some meat, you know, some vegetable and, and, and that's what, you know, humans are, we're herbivores, you know, we're not strictly made to just eat, you know, um, plants, we're, we're ma- meant to eat both plants and animals, you know, so, but if, if we, if we harvest it correctly and if we do it correctly, then there should be not much, you know, danger to the environment or to the wildlife. Your your kids are they involved in hunting, or do you show them like because you you got a little boy and a little girl? Am I correct? Yeah, yeah. My my, my boy loves fishing. You know, I take him fishing a lot. Not not hunting yet, uh, because uh, the hunting we have to go super early. You know, 
But with so even with the fishing, he understands like the fish was in oh, the water, yeah. and that's that yeah, yeah. like the omnivore diet and that that you're talking about. Like that's the yeah. they they see yeah. the food. Yeah. Do you do you have uh, crops? Do you have little plants in that as well? Uh, we have like we have uh, you know uh, fruit trees. We have like lemon tree. We have like uh, we have an orange tree. We have a uh, we have an avocado tree. We have a soursop tree. You know. And and we eat fruits off of that, you know. It's nice. That's um, awesome for kids. I think that's so important for them yeah. to have that yeah. that connection. I think so. To, to have the connection with uh, what gives us energy, you know, we get energy from food. But where did the food come from? It came from the plant. It came from the animal. You know, having that understanding that it came from the world. You know, knowing understanding that you know uh, we have to treat the world with respect. So, and seeing like. Just seeing, well, I've got my like little trees here as well, and my daughter, she's she's little, but she's like nine months old. But she sees us work on it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. you understand that that didn't just magically appear appear on no. your plate or in your lunchbox or whatever. So I think that what's life like with kids? What's like what's it like for you, like as a dad? Uh, it's great. You know, it's amazing to see a happy child. You know, to see a happy meeting you. It's it's very rewarding. You know. Um, and, and knowing that I am molding, you know, them into the person that they're going to be in the future is, uh, is, is very, very, it's a big responsibility, but it's also very rewarding. And, uh, it gives me a lot of joy. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. You know, I won my first, you know, uh, my, my first championship belt after having a kid, you know, so, um, my, uh, my career flipped when I had my son, so. It's uh, it's it's very motivating and very rewarding. What are you like as a dad? Are you the disciplinarian? Are you the nice guy? Who, who, who which one are you? I think uh, I think both of us are both. You know, both. Uh, I think I'm more the more the fun, more of the fun parent. But uh, I guess uh, like like uh, like I'm also pretty disciplinary too. You know, when I say no, it means no. You know, with, with the kids. How how important is that, man? So, like sometimes when I'm when I'm talking to people on the podcast, and it it hits me with stuff that, that people are saying because I think like I see parents with their kids sometimes, and they fucking don't say no to their kid, and I'm sitting yeah. there watching him, and no. they're like, oh no, no, we don't say no, and this and that, and I think, yeah, but your little kid is a fucking yeah. pain in the as ass. Much, as much as you love your kid, as much as you love your kid. You should hate to raise a bad kid. As much as you love a kid, you should hate raising a asshole kid. Yeah, know? they're the worst, but you know what I mean. Like, and now, now yeah, being and, a parent, and, and, and it's kids, worse. Kids, kids can be assholes sometimes, so you have to correct them. You're the parent. You're the mature person. There's a reason why you're the mature person. You know, there's a reason why you're 35 years old and your kid is five years old. It's so that you can impart some wisdom on them and talk some sense into them you know so that's how i feel it kills me man it just kills me when i see it and i think like you don't have to do that but i don't want to have to put up with your kid then go live in a fucking cave you know what i mean like when you're at a function or something and the kid's like being rude to everyone or something when i see when i see kids like that i'll 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 talk to the kid too and like if i see like a kid misbehaving I'll, I'll, i'll raise my tone and I'll talk to the kid, you know. I, I don't care whose kid it is. If they're misbehaving, 
it's important as an adult, you know, to, to stop them. Just like if you, if you see a kid bullying another kid, as a parent and as an adult, it's your responsibility, you know. We are we are all one human race, you know. We're all one one tribe. So I think that's a really interesting my wife and I were talking about this the other day. I think that's a really interesting thing and it like kind of look segue into who you were growing up, which I want to ask you. But I, I do see like people that have lived in um like cultures where you have extended family present, you have that mentality kind of thing where in the Western world we have it's not my wife and I don't think like this, but I'm saying you have my wife and I, and it's my kid, and it's like no, but like there's nothing else. But I think people that yeah. grow up in extended families, you have your auntie to listen yeah. to. Thing, can can you speak yeah. about that and how that? It's obviously molded you in a certain way. Can you speak about yeah. growing up in in well, Myanmar well, as a little boy? There's five of us, and 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 most of the time, uh, my father is gone. You know, my father's always, you know, out working. So one single woman cannot look after five kids, you know. So so when I was growing up, we had cousins. We had older cousins watching us. We had aunts watching us. We had uncles watching us because we live in an extended family, you know. And that's how it worked. And and my father looked up financially, looked after my, my uncles, you know, my aunts and my cousins. So it all worked out, you know. Good. What was your dad? Was he a jewelry trader? Jewel, jewel trader? Yeah, he's like a jade miner. Yeah, jade miner. Mine jade, and he's like a businessman. Yeah, he, he 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 had he had his side hustle, you know. Yeah. So, he but, but you, he was the breadwinner. He was the breadwinner of the extended family. Okay, so your dad was he? So it was like a like a very very much an extended family in in that in that regard. Yeah, very very extended family. How, what was that my, like? My, growing dad, up? my dad had about my dad had about fourteen siblings. Oh, yeah, and my mom had uh, uh, nine siblings. And that you all lived <laughs> near each other there. No, we, we all didn't live together, but we we lived relatively. Like a lot of them live with us, um, and they were always welcome to live with us. You know, if they needed us. But now explains why you have two million followers. And most of them are, are related to you. They're all my <laughs> friends. They're all related. <laughs> so, so they, like, in the, did you live in a village? Was it a, a rural kind of village thing or? It, it was a village. It was a village. Uh, when we built our house, we were the first brick house. Oh. In our village. Yeah. We, we had the first brick house in our village. <laughs> How many people lived there with us? Everybody lived in the huts at that time. Oh, so it was very rural. Yeah. And yeah, and rural. in that area, from your mum's and your dad's family, were most people living in and around your area? Like, could you walk to your auntie's house or your? No, uh, not not where we live, but but uh, a lot of a lot of them lived with uh, my. Uh, so my my dad had another house where my uncles lived, and then my my uh, my mom had a. My my grandparents' house was in another village. So um, between the two side of the families, we were in a three household. Okay, we were in like three big houses. Yeah. So who were you growing up? Like who? Were, if we were at school together, who were you? Like who were you at school? Say that again. Who were you at school? If we were at school together in in year eight, year nine in high school, who were you? Which kid were you? I was the. I would say I was like the. The good kid that played a lot of sports, 
uh, that like to lift weights and play sports, um, friendly towards everybody, you know, um, not, not super like, uh, like I try to be like funny in class and stuff like that. Be, be the lighthearted guy. Um, I, I never made honor roll until, uh, my last semester. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's like the class clown, you know, the, the, the friendly guy, the guy that plays sports. Um, wasn't good. You know, it wasn't really good in grades. Uh, so, but I was super, super friendly. You know, you're, you're 35 years old now and you've been fighting yeah. for, for quite a while. Um, how long do you see yourself fighting for? Probably two more years, you know, two more years. And then I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go pursue my calling, which is like to start um, uh, to to start working with the fight team in, in in my country. Do you so? Do you think you'll move back to Myanmar, or you keep living in the United I States? I think I think I'll, I'll stay mostly in Myanmar after this. Okay, that's that's unreal. That's awesome. You yeah. do you think you'll have a a thing where say like Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. is now going back and fighting when they're in their fifties or something. Do you think you'll have a, a feeling like that? Or do you feel that the calling for you is something greater like the Yeah. I think so. I I don't I don't, you know um when I set my mind into doing something then I, I usually am devoted to that, you know. So if, if my calling was coaching and training people, I don't think I'll go back, you know. But but you never know, you know. You never know how my body feels. Like, like, let's say I'm 42 years old and my body feels great. You know, I might do a super fight, you know, you never know. But I don't, I don't want to be, I don't, I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to compete. I don't want to have to fight because I need the money. You know, I, I want to be a responsible person. I want to be, I want to, I want to invest correctly. So when I pursue something else, I can pursue it to the fullest, you know. Money is not what drives me. You know, wealth is not what drives me. Having security for my family is what drives me. You know, so with that comes making sure I have enough, and then making sure I'm investing correctly. You know. So, 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 so to answer your question, to answer your question, I don't think, like, I don't really care to be popular. I don't really care to have a lot of money either. You know, I, I just care that. I, you know, live life fully, you know, to the fullest and, 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 uh, and, and I want, you know, make sure like the next couple of years when I compete, I want to make sure I'm on point and always, you know, a hundred percent. Okay. What's it like now training at, with, with Hooft and the, the, the guys in that, in that camp and. Yeah. Yeah. And all. all Sanford MMA is, you know, is, is amazing. You know, like the, my first time training with Henry Hoof, I knew, like I knew right away, like I needed to work with him because his style and my style is very similar. Simple, effective, no, you know, no BS, just, you know, good technique. Um, and, and there's a very good connection between Henry and I. And then, um, and then, one of my weakness was wrestling, you know, and, and working with Kami and working with Greg Jones, they're, they're legends in, in, in the sport. Yeah, 100%. You know, as far as wrestling goes. So um, I was able to work on my wrestling and I feel like a more complete mixed martial artist 
training here, you know, having that full-time training sessions, uh, training for full-time, making sure my diet's on point, my conditioning's on point. That, that's been a big difference, you know, in the last two years that I've, I've been here. What's the training sessions like when you with you, – you train with Usman, you train with Derek Brunson, you train – like I'd imagine uh, Chandler's there, but he's smaller than you. Is he there? Yeah. Um, yeah, Luke Larkholm was here too, you know, while, while he was training. Of course, yes, yes, yes. What yeah. are those sessions like? What, what's How do you feel when you're in there? Like, you tell me. No, I have my strength and they have their strengths too, you know. But but it's great, you know, they're great training people. Uh, um, like, like uh, I know where I stand, you know, compared to those guys. Like, I know where I stand. Um. I, I've been doing this, you know, like not longer than most of them have. Hundred percent, yeah. <laughs> Two thousand five. So, I I know where I stand. You know, I think I think um, it's it's fantastic. Like I I look at at like just simple things. Like say I was looking at this with you. You had problems with your citizenship, or you hadn't got your citizenship at, at that at at a particular stage, and so. Yeah. Did that impact you maybe signing with the UFC or, or, or what happened with that? Yeah. Um, actually, I almost retired, you know, during that time. Like, I was like, man, it's too much. You know, I have a, I have a family that's growing. So you couldn't work? Uh, is, that, is that correct? No, 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 no. no. I, I was working. I was working. And I was working at a gym and I was working and coaching. Um, during that time, I probably during my time off, I probably coach about a hundred fights. Right. I, I probably coach about a hundred fights. You know, uh, uh, one of my guys that uh, you know who started training with me is uh, is a glory fighter and uh, you know professional glory fighter, kickboxer. Um, so, like, I thought maybe I should just be a coach. You know, just work on growing the gym. Uh, stop fighting, you know, in, in, uh, in 2015 to 2016, I almost did that. You know, when I, when I had difficulty with my, with my, uh, passport and, and getting the visa to do travel, I almost retired. You know, if I retired then, you know, history would have been different. Yeah. So. It, the, the reason I say that is because people don't understand like all the stuff that goes on in the background. It's not even, it's not yeah. like this linear progression. Like, you, no. you're moving, the visas aren't the same, healthcare is not the same. It's like it's, everything is different. That, that's yeah. why I was kind of asking you to speak on that a little bit. Yeah. Like, 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 uh, like people in Myanmar, like a lot of the people in Myanmar, they think I was like overnight, you know, I was like an overnight star. In 2016 to 2017, within a year, you know, my status like catapulted in, in Myanmar. So they think like I'm an overnight sensation. But they don't understand that 11 years before that, that I was, you know, training and getting, you know, uh, losing a lot of fights, being a journeyman, you know, when I had to switch my mindset from being a journeyman to being a championship, you know, caliber fighter. Um, people don't understand that, you know, and they don't see that. Uh, they think, I, you know, I, I guess that's the same thing with the, with, the, with the product and the process, you know, that we talked about earlier. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, there's a big disconnect between the product and the process. You know, people see the piece of steak, but they don't understand that it came from a little cow that they grew, you know, that they fed, uh, that they fattened so that you can cut it up into a piece of steak, you know. 
<laughs> no, I, so, I, I get yeah. that. And so, yeah, people don't don't see that. And they don't understand like all the all the things yeah. you you've been through. Yeah, they, they don't they don't understand the, the the financial hardship I went through. Broken nose, you know, uh, like 15, 16, 18 stitches, you know, broken fingers, you know, uh, MCL tear and stuff like that, you know. Did was it hard for you with the with healthcare over there before you were a citizen? Uh, it's it's okay. It's not you know. There's no there's no healthcare. Like a lot of the times when I didn't have healthcare, I would have to just pay the doctors cash. Okay. You know, but like my nose when I broke it when I uh, it was all the way across. The doctor said you could you could get surgery for it which is going to be very expensive or you could do it the old fashioned way, you know? And I paid him 200 bucks and he did it the old fashioned way. Talk us through the, the old fashioned way. So he shot me with like Novocaine in here, like with, with some, you know, so, and then he took like a metal rod this big and then he grabbed that metal rod, stick it in my nose and cranked the shit out of it until it cracked back in place. And he did it like four times. How much did the Novocaine kill the pain? Not enough. He had to do it. He, he saw me turning like, uh, he said like I was turning white. So he had to stop. He had to stop. And then we took like a, another five minute break and then he had to do it again. So. But my nose is perfect now. You know? Oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. I can get punched in the nose as hard as you want and it will not bleed. But he pulled it all, all the way across. It was broken. Yeah. Oh man! No, no, no! You can put my, you can put my nose on the wall, like against the wall. I, I have a question. I have a, I have a problem with one of the guys that trains with you. He really didn't, um, really let us all down. Uh, Martin Nguyen, um, he got scared from one of the snakes over there. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, he is. He, he's such a one. He's making us all look bad here, mate. Come on. You, I know. You know I, the I, snakes I, I, we I, I, have I, I, here? Australians, I thought Australians were tough, you know? Well, I'm but not tough, but like, we got scary snakes. Like, that, you know? Yeah, what, I know. What happened with that snake? Like, what, what, why was he so scared? I don't know. He's just scared of snakes. He's just scared of, like, he's scared of, he's scared of spiders. Spiders and snakes or just spiders? Spiders and snakes. Was it a big snake? Was it something to be scared of for real? No, it's it's like it's in like the petting zoo. It's not nothing to be scared of. Oh, it wasn't you know? a wild snake. It was a petting zoo. No, yeah, that's disgusting. And then, and then yeah, disgusting. Tell him that. Take his Australian uh, card away from him. Yeah, he's gonna lose citizenship here. I think he yeah. can't. He can't do that. Um, do you watch? Uh, I wanted to ask you, who do you think uh, with Adesanya and Costa? This fight. Oof, that's a tough fight, huh? You got to give me something. I think Israel can pull it off. And why? Uh, the reach, and and uh, I think he's slicker. I think he's slicker, and and Costa uh, is very head on. Yeah, and, yeah. Cost is very head on, and, and Israel's going to use that reach, and and, and he's going to use that reach, and he's going to use that movement. What about Khabib and Gaethje? 
Khabib and Gaethje. I think Khabib. I think Khabib and. Uh, but but you never know, you know. Gaethje's crazy, yeah. Like the way he fights, like it's so. Yeah, it's it's yeah. you can't really yeah. plan for that, I suppose. Yeah, but but Khabib is so uh, like strong, you know, physically and mentally strong. He's really mentally strong. He'll take you to the deep waters, you know. Um, you know, if, if it doesn't if it doesn't go if it doesn't go uh, early, you know, in uh, in uh, Gaethje's way, it, it's going to be hard, you know. But I know Gaethje, Gaethje is very strong-minded too. Yeah, he is, man. He is. He's very, very much so. Well, I have a question. You, you got because you got such a great team there. Does you train with Gilbert Burns and you train with Usman? Yeah, right now, yeah, it's a, it's a weird situation. So, what happens there with with those guys? Like, does one train at different time or or like? No, they they gotta decide on their own. You know, they gotta decide on their own. But but do they so, train in the same gym or do they train at it? No, right now, right now, no, right now, uh, Gilbert's away, and G Gilbert's uh, he was in Brazil, so I'm not sure. You know, I haven't seen. I haven't seen them together in a room for a while now. Ah, okay, okay, okay. No, I just didn't know how that that would work out like like that. Yeah. Um, but, but we have so many we have so many great welterweights though. Yeah, that's we that's, have so that, many great welterweights. Yeah. I, I see. Um, like this Robbie Lawler there. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, like yeah. the you, you the the whole the whole team yeah. is looking so so good yeah. at the moment. And and then we got two top like uh, Bellator welterweights too. But they, no. they're not – like with, with the UFC guys, if you've got so many welterweights, it's inevitable that that yeah. kind of loggerhead's going to occur. And that's why I, I was curious how, how that affected yeah. the, the, the gym. Because yeah. everybody's going for that, you know, going for that belt. So it, it's everybody – it's every welterweight stream, you know, to have what Kamaru has right now. So it's kind of weird, you know. Is it is it easier for you being at one FC like the fact that the middleweights yeah. are kind of yeah they're doing their thing and you you can do yours yeah and then for you sure. can train with whoever like kind of thing yeah yeah for sure it is you know do you uh, find that yeah. that's easier for you then to be able to have a relationship with Brunson yeah. or Rockhold knowing that the chance of you fighting <laughs> you know, each you other know, is you know, even even Vitor Belfort is is ah of is course yeah, yeah 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 it's it's uh. Like Vito and I will never fight, you know, but it does make things awkward, you know, when like, when people, you know, online say Vito and Omwa should fight, you know, but Vito is my friend, you know, I, I, I don't think I could ever fight him. Could you, uh, other than Vito, but do you, has your feeling on like, could you fight a friend? Depends. It really depends because when I compete, I have to put my mind in a different set, you know, which I don't like to put my mind into a different set with, with a friend. So it's kind of, kind of, I don't know. It's weird, man. In training, we spar. We spar really hard too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And how do you reconcile that? We're just helping our, our, our partners. We're just helping our training partners. You know, we're training them. Uh, we're getting them ready for their real fight. You know, so. It's different. Yeah, the mentality when you go in there is like, yeah, yeah, you you you're there to break somebody's jaw, you know. Like that's how I I, I look at it, you know. So, what, 
I don't want to. I don't want to do that. What's your toughest fight? What's what's your toughest fight, and what's your favorite fight? They might be different, or they might be the same. Like- yeah. Well, my toughest fight was Vitaly. You know, the, the second time around, um, because of how he beat me in the first one. You know, mentally it was hard. You know, I was I was I was going extreme. You know, making sure everything was on point. I, I made sure you know I, I was training and training and training and training. You know, like doing everything right. Um, and then, you know, I trained so hard that I was injured right before the fight and I was like so mad, you know, but, uh, but, but I feel like I, 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 I left no stone unturned, you know, for that bout. Um, my most satisfying, my most like, uh, enjoyable fight was against, uh, Brendan Bear, just okay. because I've been, I've been a big fan of his for a long time. You know, uh, I'm a big fan of Brendan Bear since, you know, he, he knocked out Justin Eilers and, and uh, was doing his thing in the UFC like like uh, maybe like 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, I remember uh, that. Since I was in college, yeah, since I was in college, I was a big fan of his. Uh, and, 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 uh, and being able to compete against him, that, that was the most enjoyable thing, you know. Oh, awesome. Um, Ongla, thank you so much for your time, man. I won't take up any more of your time. I really appreciate it. Sure. Um, Welcome, my man. Thank you so much, man. And um, yeah, please, man, if you haven't seen this guy fight, you have to watch him fight. Thank you so much, man. Look after yourself. Take care. Bye-bye.